Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey, it's Crystal Knight and welcome back to the show brought to you by Newsweek. It's 2023, the year of the union. Writers Guild, Actors Guild, United Auto Workers, and soon to be potentially Kaiser Permanente. This week, I speak with the president of California's long-term care workers organization, SEIU 2015, about the year of the strike. This week, I am speaking with Arnolfo de la Cruz. He is the president of SEIU 2015, California's long-term care workers organization. Arnolfo, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Arnolfo, before we get into the conversation around this hotbed of strikes that are happening across the country, I'd really like to highlight something that's historic, that you are the first Latino president of SEIU 2015. And so I'd love for you to just open up and share with our listeners, what does this mean for you to break this glass ceiling? Yeah, I really appreciate the question. And again, I'm happy to be on. You know, it's interesting because uh, SEIU 2015 is one of the largest unions in the country. We represent roughly 450,000 long-term care workers, the majority of whom are women, women of color, and in California, nearly half of them immigrant. Mm. Um, So this is a sector that's one of the fastest growing in the country. And I think, you know, being the first Latino elected to this position, um, I think means a lot. It also means a lot about the future of this workforce, where uh, as this sector continues to grow, increasingly those who are providing services are Spanish-speaking uh, Chinese speaking in our executive board meetings, we have eight different languages is what oh, we speak. Wow. I know okay. that people always find that really hard to believe, but yes. literally we have a translator for eight different languages because we think that language equity is really an important, uh, an important principle of how we communicate across our union mm-hmm. because no one enjoys not being able to hear information in your native language, especially if you're monolingual, right? So mm-hmm. I think being the first Latino president um, is an important recognition that the union is incredibly diverse and constantly changing. And also in this moment in Los Angeles where there's been tension mm-hmm. uh, uh, in the the tapes that were released where there was these racist comments targeting African-Americans in Los Angeles. I also think being a product of the nineties, I went to high school in the Mm nineties. I think our experiences growing up in multiracial communities also gives me an opportunity to bring my experience having grown up in Latino African-American communities where we will live side by side in the same neighborhood, have the same friends, be over each other's homes. Uh, play sports together. I just, I, I'm really excited about the opportunity that this provides me yeah. to build cross-racial solidarity within the union. We are a union that speaks eight different languages, but we're also a union that have very clearly declared ourselves an anti-Black racist organization, one of the first unions 
in the country to do that. Wow. And I'm really, really proud of that. So I feel a deep responsibility being the first Latino president also to recognize that historically this sector of care, which, you know, care like farm workers where my family comes from is in the Central Valley where I'm a product of. Okay. Those were industries that were considered not deserving of basic working protections under the National Labor Relations Act. Mm -hmm. So let's not fool ourselves that the reason why home care workers don't have a pension or don't have or aren't making $25 an hour, this is an industry that has been rooted in slavery in this country. Mm. And those in power basically saying this is work done behind closed doors. It's not deserving of basic American protection. So that's an important um, conversation that we have across all eight languages. Great. For them to mm -hmm. understand that this sector is rooted in, in years and decades in history of structural racism. I think that provides us an opportunity to educate across all communities in our union to recognize the importance of lifting each other up and building cross-racial solidarity. But I, I'm very proud to be first Latino president. And also, I think um, there's a lot of opportunity in building across our communities. Thank you. Absolutely. And just speaking about unions and, and what unions do and the purpose of them, we've seen a number of strikes take place not only in California, but just across the country, it just seems like 2023 is that year. It's the year of the strike. Um, I'm wondering if even Time Magazine will name um, union workers as the person of the year or organization of the year as they're looking you know, back into what happened during this year. But I really want to talk about the power of a strike. And there are a number that are taking place as, you know, at the time of this recording, um, the Writers Guild, the Actors Guild, um, United Auto Workers, and even um, Kaiser Permanente members are thinking about going on strike um, if, an, if an agreement isn't reached by September the 30th, um, likely going into the largest strike we would see for healthcare workers in this country um, in early October. But if you can, I want to just start with why do people, because there are a number of people in this country who are for strikes or in our four unions, but then there are also people who say, well, I don't understand. They have a job. Why do you care? Like, you know, who's going to do the work while folks are striking? And obviously people strike for a number of different reasons. A lot of it has to do with conditions around employment. But if you could really break down to our listeners, the history and the purpose on why union formation is so important and how the collective action of a strike really moves employers and employees, um, moves their agendas forward for better working conditions. That would be helpful, I think, if we just started right there. Absolutely. And Crystal, I love the idea of a union worker being on Time Magazine. I think we're going to have to. <laughs> hey, you heard it here first. I'm putting it out in the atmosphere. That would be amazing yeah. if, if union workers are the people or person of the year. I think it could happen. I do, too. That's a really beautiful um, idea. So what? Um, let me start with this one. My grandmother was one of the founding members of the United Farm Workers Union. Okay. So as a young person, as a young girl, she grew up in the fields in California working with her hands. Um, I, there was one point where she testified in front of Congress to ban the shorthanded hoe, which was uh, a six inch hoe that you would have to bend over and use. And it would give people 
debilitating lifelong back problems. Yeah, back I mean, but she, the pesticides that were sprayed on her when she was picking, the children would get sick. Her, my, my dad and his brothers and sisters would work with their parents in the fields. There was um, horrible working conditions in the 1940s and 50s. And then Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta came around and started holding house meetings, getting farm workers together to talk about, hey, life doesn't have to be this difficult working in the fields if we all came together just to talk to the employers about some basic protections. You had women who had no restrooms. They had to mm. go behind trees in front of the men to use the restroom and then go back to work. Wow. The sanitary conditions, not having a place to wash your hands. I remember the stories of my grandmother before she had a union. Eventually, the United Farm Workers Union in California got to about 70,000 union members all in one union, sitting down and negotiating contracts with major multinational agriculture employers. And they secured some wonderful working condition protections that allowed them to have clean drinking water, a livable wage, it's not that the work has gotten any easier, right? We all know what's happening with climate change and how hot it is and how difficult it is to work. But that's just an example within my own family where I've seen a night and day environment when you have the ability to come together. But generally, the principle of a union mm -hmm. is that you can always do more when you come together with your coworkers than you could all by yourself. Correct. We all know how difficult it is to advocate for yourself. And that's not to say... I get it, right? Uh, each of us as individuals are incredibly powerful. We can advocate for ourselves to the best of our ability. But when you're having a deal with a multinational corporation or a large company, it's very difficult to make improvements by yourself individually. Mm -hmm. So you have these working people by industry, especially coming out of the pandemic. Yes. Let, let's be real. There was many of us who weren't having to go to work every single day. Mm -hmm. So when you heard of the term essential work, after two years of going to work every single day, Kaiser workers saw the worst of what the pandemic had to offer. Mm -hmm. And they came through it on the other side saying, we also deserve to be recognized as essential workers. Right. Mm -hmm. Correct. And so. I think maybe one more thing, too, that could be helpful for the public is to understand that a strike is a really difficult decision to make for a worker in this country. Mm -hmm. That a strike in the union, as we like to say, is the ultimate tool, is the last resort. There's a lot of things that you do before a strike. You try to sit down and talk to the employer or the CEO. Mm -hmm. You sit down with your supervisors. Right. You try to do labor management committee meetings. Sometimes you'll march on the boss when you have to do something a little bit more aggressive with a petition that clearly states, here's what we want to address. Mm -hmm. uh, you have a bargaining process, right? There's a bargaining process that exists where you have hours of meetings with employers to talk about how to make improvements. If all they do is say no every single time and you make no progress, then the union workers will have a decision whether they want to go on strike and take a strike vote. Mm -hmm. And also what maybe a lot of folks don't realize is when you go on strike, you're not making the same salary that you were when you were working. If you have children, you're having to worry about being able to put food on the table and, you know, come home and let them know that you're on strike. You don't have the same resources for your family, but it's, it's an incredibly powerful decision because the most powerful thing that a worker has is their labor. Right. When they withdraw their labor, 
it has a huge impact. So you're, as you mentioned, Crystal, it's happening across industries. Mm-hmm. But I do think that out of the pandemic, workers are saying that we deserve to be seen and recognized. And I also want to mention some of these companies that you've mentioned, they've been making record profits. Yes. Record profits. Right. That's um, something that we as consumers, maybe we don't understand that because we're not in the industry, in those respective industries. And so we don't understand about the profit part versus the labor. Right. Yeah. It's the, usually the companies don't go around and tell all of us that they made a billion dollars, but you do hear when the workers go on strike. Absolutely. That's Mm -hmm. when something has, something is not working in that system that allows them to feel recognized. So I do, hopefully that's helpful that, you know, um, it's a really, really difficult decision to make. And usually it's when all else has failed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you saw a couple of years back when teachers started striking across the South, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, we hadn't seen that before in that way, but that was a sense that something was not right in the way that they were feeling recognized in the work that they were doing. So again, it's a last resort tool. It's not what you go to first. It's when talks have broken down and bargaining. And it's a really important right that workers have. And even Crystal, like in our union on the home care side, yeah, home care workers don't have the right to strike. Uh, some of them are caring for family members with disabilities. Why don't they so, have the right to strike? What do you mean by that? It, it, it's part of them being domestic workers. Mm-hmm. And then also given the nature of their work, if I'm a parent caring for my daughter with a disability, mm-hmm. I'm not going to leave my daughter who who could have a severe disability, right? right. So it's a different it's a different dynamic in the sense where the, their employer is actually could be their family member mm-hmm. or a senior who has a severe disability. If you have five hundred thousand people in California that would just not report to work, it would impact their families. It would impact their the the consumers who rely on their care. In hospitals and healthcare and other sectors, the employer would have to go find backups in a way that in home care. But our nursing home workers who do work in the private sector, who work for these large companies, they very much do have the right to strike. And currently, they're even preparing for a strike in in the Los Angeles area, again, around working conditions, right? This was estimated that about 40% of the deaths in COVID was just in nursing homes, not just in California, Mm -hmm. but across the country. So these were workers that were on the front line, um, really wanting some uh, issues addressed at their workplace. So I want to stay with something that you just said about um, people who provide long-term care. They don't really, they they don't, it it wasn't a, a kind of, it was, they don't have the ability to go out on strike. So if they don't have the ability to go out on strike, how do you as an organization, as a union fight for better pay, better working conditions, better hours, better anything that workers are asking for if they cannot use this power to just walk off? Because as you just stated, some of their employers could be their family members. And so the repercussions are very different. It hits different for someone who's caring for a member of their family or someone that they love or, or whatever the case may be. But on the other side, how do you advocate for something understanding that you still have to go to work every day? That's right. That's and you question. see other, you see other divisions of SEIU, right? You see other factions of the same union 
have the ability to actually walk out and strike. So how does that affect your particular your particular organization? I, I think that's really interesting that and maybe people haven't thought about it, right? Like we think everyone can strike if you're in a union, but there are different factions of it. And so I'd love for you to just break that down for us a little bit further. Yes, of course. And this again goes into the, you know, what I would say that in this country, historically home care and domestic work has not been given its proper place and being considered what some people would so-call real American work at the time. That's literally how they described it. So Home care was left out of the National Labor Relations Act, basic protections. So what that means is that we don't have this tool that's incredibly effective for Mm -hmm. bringing a a decision maker to the bargaining table to talk about wages and benefits. And for the most part, this has been poverty work. Home care workers don't have retirement. Mm. So we just recently introduced a bill this year that would grant statewide bargaining to about 500,000 home care workers in California, because right now, we bargain at the county level. Okay. So in every county in California, we have to bargain with the Board of Supervisors over wages and benefits, which is inefficient to say the least because yeah. it's a statewide program. Yeah. Um, so what we have to do is, short of striking, we put together a really big public campaign because the one thing I am convinced about mm-hmm. is that when you talk to someone in California or frankly, anyone across the country, m- many people have a story of care. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's people who are trying to navigate care. They Mm -hmm. have a loved one that they're trying to find someone to, you know, they're going on websites to look for a caregiver. They're asking family members. So this issue of care is um, omnipresent in the sense that as our population continues to age, Mm -hmm. people want to be in their homes. Yeah, Uh, They don't want to go to a skilled care facility. They don't necessarily want to be in and out of the hospital. They want to live with dignity in their own home. So that principle on the value of care, we try to have a public conversation around why it's so important that we invest in care. Because who would we want taking care of our mother or our child or our loved one if they had a severe disability? Mm-hmm. Someone who's making poverty wages with no benefits right. or someone who's making a living wage who can take care of their own family? Because I would say that one of the biggest injustices in this country is that you can be a caregiver and you can't even care for your own family because the wages and benefits you receive aren't sufficient for you to be able to put food on your table. That's what we're up against. So the camp, so we've done civil disobedience. You can okay. do civil disobedience. That was something that, that the union has adopted from the civil rights movement. We're short of striking. You have elected officials, uh, community allies, union members, taking the ultimate risk of being arrested to make a public demonstration that Mm -hmm. they care so deeply about their work and that they want changes that they're willing to do something to that extent with a group of people to say we've had enough right so Mm -hmm. there's different ways that we've done it right now in fresno california the board of supervisors have after a year have put nothing on the bargaining table we are getting ready to kind of turn up the heat and think about these twenty thousand home care workers in fresno county which has a history of not prioritizing these workers, we have to think about what we're going to do to try to get their attention. Several years back, Dolores Huerta got arrested there with home care workers to make a demand that they invest in home care. So this is continuing to show up in different ways. But I appreciate the question. And it does, you have to think quite a bit on how you get the attention of the public and decision makers when you don't have the right to strike. 
Right, right. And how do you stand in solidarity with other factions, particularly, and we can just stay with SEIU, but if we think about what's happening around healthcare and really long-term care is healthcare to me as well. I identify that as healthcare. Um, but how do you stand in solidarity with other divisions who are thinking of striking or are going on strike? What does that look like as an organization, particularly statewide, right? This is something that will absolutely impact California, could impact other states where Kaiser um, has offices and, and workers, but particularly there after doing reading, they're striking because there are not enough employees to help with patient care, which absolutely we as you know consumers and as patients, we would feel that if, if there's a shortage in employees. But how does that impact the work that you're doing with um, local 2015 and understanding that it's still healthcare adjacent, healthcare related? That's absolutely right. And it, it, um, you know, our members are some, it's what I call salt of the earth. They have really, really big hearts and a lot of compassion. Their ability to sympathize or be in solidarity with another worker's struggle is pretty enormous. Mm -hmm. uh, they've done that time and time again. They were supporting the LAUSD school employees when they were on strike. So our members usually are in their purple t-shirt and they're out there at the picket lines for many different unions when they go on strike, obviously, given that this is one of our sister unions in SEIU, the 450,000 long-term care workers in California are absolutely going to do whatever we can to support SEIU, UHW, and any union that represents Kaiser workers as they consider a strike in October. Because again, this health delivery system is all related. And yeah. I think the principle that long-term care workers understand is that these hospital workers, when very few people were going to work, were literally in there saving people's lives. Yeah. And uh, as we come out of the pandemic, depending on who you talk to, these companies like Kaiser had have made record profits. It shouldn't be on the back of hospital employees, right? And now uh, there's challenges around finding being able to staff hospitals properly because people are exhausted, right? Yeah. We saw the stories of hospital workers during the pandemic and out of it. And I think that there's so much more that can be done to recognize their contributions. And we're excited to support them in any way that we can as they continue those negotiations and those conversations, you know, across the country, but especially here in California. Yeah, that's, that's okay. That's good to understand that you all are always in solidarity with a sister brother union and their struggles, regardless of how it interplays with your own. What do you think is the, the, could you predict the future of what is happening right now with people who across a number of different unions, we're like you said, we're seeing people rise up and maybe some of this is due to the pandemic. Maybe this is just the year that folks are saying enough is enough. But how do you see all of the strikes that are happening um, across the country, across a number of different industries, entertainment, healthcare, um, auto, um, and any others that could potentially arise? Um, how do you think that that will affect the workforce moving forward into the future? And also considering 
not to be too political, but all of these things have political ramifications. There is a presidential election that is happening next year. And so how do you think these things will affect not only the future, but also potentially the election? It's a great question. You know, um, this concept of the American dream mm-hmm. is a really interesting one. Like the idea that you can have one job. Mm. Um, let's say that you're a spouse or a partner and both of you are working, mm-hmm. that each of you could have one job or you could have one job as a single parent and provide for your children. Mm-hmm. That has been slowly eroding for some time. So I would put out there, and I don't know this to be certain, but I think there's some polling and we know, and we just see it in our own families and our own communities. The number of people that are having to put together three jobs or two jobs that used to be one is at an all time high. Mm. Imagine the impact that has on a child. Like we, like our parents, when they were working, right? If you have two or three jobs, you're not spending a whole lot of time at home. You're not spending a lot of time with your children. Right. So the unraveling of that ability to have gainful employment that allows you to provide for your family, mm-hmm. I think that's becoming less and less of a reality. And, and then you combine that with an increased cost of living, especially here in California. They continue to increase rent. Uh, the interest rates to buy a home are all-time high. So the system is... There's cracks in the system. I think what we're seeing is that workers are saying, wait a minute, we need to reset here and take into account that the people who are doing the work need to be valued and recognized. Mm -hmm. And we are fighting for the American dream, but it's falling out of our hands. Mm -hmm. This is a demonstration of them saying we want it back. And, and you, you know, it's a lot of the focus groups and what we're hearing from young people, very similar. Right. They don't see a future that allows them to buy a home, to have one. This concept of having one job forever is Mm -hmm. just not even something that they consider to be a reality. So I do think we're seeing in sector after sector in this country of people saying this system right now for us is not working. We're going to come together and figure out how we make it work. And it's a good um you know, hopefully the candidates for president from all parties are listening Mm -hmm. because there's quite a bit of work we have to do. Absolutely. And if there's someone who's listening and says, I work at an organization that has the, has given me the option to join a union or to join the union at my job, what's your play or what's your advice to them? If they're thinking, I'm just trying to work. I don't want to be a part of anything that could potentially be controversial to my employment, why should folks consider joining unions at their places of employment? Yeah. And I, I do think it's kind of like anything in life. You kind of get, you get what you put into it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, our democracy doesn't like, there's people sometimes who say, I'm not voting. Like right. I talk to those folks all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I'm not, not mad at you for that. Everyone has their own opinion, but in our democracy, it's not going to function. You know, I like to tell family members, you can't complain if you don't vote. Right. Right. Um, in the union, it's what you put into it and, and how you participate. But from a general principle, you're always going to have more opportunities if you come together with your coworkers to address things that you care about at work than if you had to do it all by yourself. Right. And maybe maybe you're one of the few who alone you can advocate and get some improvements but let me tell you what when you're talking about retirement plans and healthcare plans 
and complex working condition issues, uh, vacation time, paid time off, sick leave, mm-hmm. hazard protections, how you navigate hazard protections or materials in a pandemic. There's a lot of um, things to discuss as a worker in this country. Mm-hmm. You can't take that all on by yourself, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. to be able to do that with your coworkers, you're always going to have uh, a much stronger place to bargain from. Mm-hmm. And ultimately the benefit to you and your family is going to be much greater because you're doing it. You're, you're coming together as a group, right? So there's a lot of the, just the word union is the coming together of parts. Mm-hmm. So you're always going to be stronger when you come together. Um, and then also I would say in the, maybe in the way that someone would say, you know, I'm not voting. Um, I haven't seen any changes. The union, someone could say, well, I haven't seen my union do something for me. I always say, have you talked to your steward? Have you gone to the union meetings? You do have to participate in order for your union to be strong yeah. and healthy because a union in the end is like any organization. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It can have bad leadership. It can have great leadership. But if you have an active union where members are really participating, that's the sign of a really strong union. And I think the unions that we see recently that have been on strike they're really strong in their leadership because they're very active. They're, they've been participating deeply in the picket lines and really making great improvements. And I think every UAW teachers, Kaiser, anytime someone makes a statement, it does have a tendency to lift all boats because we're all paying attention to what's happening, even if we're not working in that specific sector. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a great promo for why folks should consider being a member of, of a union, respective union, wherever they work. I want to bring us to a close and, and just say that, one, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing, not only in leadership, but also speaking out about your local and, and what's happening across the state of California, but also giving all of our listeners just insight onto how people arrive here. I think a lot of times people just, again, they assume that you just wake up and go on strike, but it really is a a last resort. And there've been a lot of things that have broken down before um, it got to that level. Um, But I want to just give you the last word um, before we bring this, this conversation to a close about any other things that you think people should understand and know about what is happening. Because I think this is, we'll look back and this will be an historic summer. This will be a historic year around all of the strikes that have happened. So I just wanted to leave you with the last words. Yeah, just that if you look at the history of our country, the 40-hour work week, that was a union victory. It, it wasn't that these large companies said, hey, we're going to create a 40-hour work week for a lot of work in America. That was something that the unions had to push for because they were literally working through the bone and they were being pushed so hard to produce outcomes. So these moments in history where working people say, we need a different way of doing things. Mm -hmm. I think we're in this really special moment in the history of this country where you see not just one sector, but multiple sectors across our society saying the system is not working the way that we had envisioned as workers. We deserve more, but I also think the special thing, and maybe this is helpful for the public you may feel that a worker is selfish for going on strike in their specific employer or industry. Mm-hmm. But I do think one of the biggest benefits to union workers striking is the impact it has on non-union workers. Mm. Because remember, 
the majority of workers in this country don't have a union. Right. They don't have collective bargaining. They don't have a contract. Right. They might not have a retirement plan. So the union workers are trying to take a stand on behalf of all workers. And so we see um, we see that happen time and again, not just in California, but across the country. When you have one industry striking, mm-hmm. it has an impact on another industry. Right. Is a nursing home going to be able to hire someone paying $18 an hour or $17 an hour if another employer is paying 22 with a good retirement plan? So there is competition in that sense. So I do think that these demonstrations of actions and strikes is not just about that one industry. It also has a tendency to lift standards across industries, both union and non-union work. So I would just say that this is a very special moment. Um, It's also a moment where unions are pulling at an all-time high, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe that means that a lot of working people are saying out of the pandemic, we want a system that works better for me and my family as a worker in this country. And I think if you're pulling non-union workers, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of sympathy for what union workers are doing as well. And we've, that's at an enormous high and hopefully the candidates are listening too. Um, But I think that's a, that's an important um, recognition too about what's happening across the country. Well, great. I really appreciate you taking the time. Again, this has been Arnolfo de la Cruz. He is the president of SEIU 2015, California's long-term caregivers organization. Thank you so much for taking the time to share with us and we hope to have you back soon. Thank you so much, Crystal. You take care. Appreciate the opportunity. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Crystal Night Show brought to you by Newsweek. The best way you can support us is to give your five-star review on Apple iTunes and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast to the Crystal Night Show.